Chris, Chris Martin. Love that. Uh, love. Uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. I love Chris Martin. Hello. He um he that song and I, I I've chosen that song uh for our sort of sign on intro for years now and um mostly from the point of view of uh, from the healthcare and the medical angle which is if you follow the tradition of the MDD syndrome where doctors were pretty much the um unquestioned authority and that you would submit uh, to the unquestioned authority, and you would be the beneficiary of his shamanic, his or her shamanic uh, offering. So the MDT syndrome has uh, diminished somewhat uh, because of all this uh, generic conversion from physician to provider as a vendor in the marketplace selling services. So they've somewhat been dethroned, and then add on top of that. All of the uh, administrative mumbo-jumbo, the 1-800-mother-may-I stuff that's been part of the landscape since the advent of managed health care now 15-plus years out. Anyway, the idea that uh, he is now sweeping the streets he used to own, it's kind of like uh, representative of um, of the message there. Anyway, hey, Greg Masters, welcome to our broadcast, and uh, we are initiating or reinitiating a program that we started a number of years ago called This Week in the Arts. And This Week in the Arts is sponsored by the Illustrators Journal, as in illustratorsjournal.com. And my partner in crime in this endeavor at the Illustrators Journal and This Week in the Arts, that's what we're relaunching, is Mr. Lon Levin. And Mr. Lon Levin, is uh, I believe he's with us. We've had a little bit of a challenge getting him lined up here today. So let me just say, Lon, are you with us? <laughs> yeah, I, I am, Greg. That whole thing just went by me, and I thought, am I listening to a recording of something else, or is this actually Greg live? Because it was, it was just so professional <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and it was about health, and I'm going, wait, I thought we were talking about the arts. Although you have to you, be healthy to do the arts, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, we're we're yeah. we're both yeah. boomers, you know, and and Correct. you fit the stereotype of the clueless, tech clueless <laughs> boomer. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. So let's let's talk. For first up, tell us a little bit about you, Lon. I mean, uh, uh, tell us about your journey from the artistic impulse to the formal training in the arts and then some of your early work and then uh, kind of roll that forward to what you and I visioned about now five years ago when we launched the Illustrators Journal and the idea right. of the broadcast we did on This Week in the Arts. So uh, tell us, give us the background, bring us to current. Well, I... Uh... My first artistic impulses came really early when I was a kid. Uh, I can't remember too much before first grade other than kind of toddling around and trying to catch bees in my hand. But when I was around six, I think I was in first grade, and I did a uh, painting of – I I can remember it in my head, but I don't have a copy of it, uh, unfortunately – but I, I did a painting of Pinocchio because Pinocchio is my favorite character, always has been. Uh, the Disney Pinocchio, not the one from the original book because that's kind of scary looking. So 
I, uh, I did this Pinocchio, and it won a prize uh, for, for first grade, and I was really uh, happy with that. So I, I just continued to draw on my own. And my mother used to, she was an amateur painter, and she used to take me to painting classes with her. And uh, instead of allowing me to be on the playground all the time, I was painting with my mother and her friends, which which originally was boring because I was just watching. And I think my mother probably saw that I was bored. So she gave me a brush and said, why don't you come up with stuff? And I remember coming up with a painting of, of a pitcher on the mound, a Dodger pitcher on the mound, because I'm a Dodger fan, obviously, being born and bred in Los Angeles. And so I did that. And my mother framed it, and I was really excited about that. And I just kept doing artwork. Um, there were there was a time when I just kind of stopped because sports took over my life, and my father was very opposed to me being involved in arts. Uh, he saw that as a weakness or unmanly and that type of thing. Uh, so for many years, I secretly just did things in my room and put them in a drawer, and that was that. I never did any art classes or anything again until I got into, I think, probably eighth grade. And other there were other kids doing um, drawings and, and airbrushing these, these uh, Big Daddy Roth-type uh, car drawings that were very big at the time. And so I started thinking, well, this isn't sissy stuff. This is, this is cool, you know, dragsters and hot rods and I could do that. So I started drawing dragsters and hot rods on my notebooks and everywhere and, and copying the other guys and being interested in art again. So that was kind of uh, a renewal of my interest. And from there, I went to, when I went to high school, of course, sports took over again, and I just kind of kept it to myself, did artwork. Although I talk to a lot of people now who knew me in high school, and they say, oh, you're so artistic. I remember you doing stuff in, in uh in school that was just amazing. And I thought to myself, I, I don't remember doing anything. So it's really, I think maybe they're having faulty memories or I don't know what. So um, I remember taking one art class though in school when I was a senior, because at that point I figured, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not what my father thinks I am. So I'm just going to do this. And um, after I graduated high school, I was in my first year of college walking down the campus uh, and I saw an open door to the art department where there were guys and girls, guys, girls in there sketching a model. And the model was this beautiful young woman who was nude. And I thought, now that's something I would like to do. So I enrolled in sketching and art classes and I started getting involved in that. Again, much to the chagrin of my father who was paying for all this. And he, he started accusing me of being gay or, you know, all this type of stuff and there's something wrong with me. And um, I was defiant by that time because I was bigger than my father and he couldn't push me around anymore. So I just, uh, I just went about my business. And um, towards the end of my uh, undergraduate work at UCLA, I met a girl who was going to art center in Pasadena. No, it wasn't in Pasadena. I went, she was on third street in, uh, in LA near McCadden and third street. And I, uh, I went over with her to look on the walls of, of art center and I saw all this commercial artwork and it was really fantastic stuff. And I felt like a caveman. I felt like I had been, uh, thrust into the future. 
And I realized this is where I should be. This is what I should be doing, even though I was in my last quarter or so of school before I graduated. <clears throat> and I went to uh, my mother because my parents were divorced. And I said, look, I want to I go to graduate school at Art Center, and it's going to cost money. Can you help me out here? And she said, well, your father has to help out, too. And so I left it to them, and somehow my mother convinced my father that this is what I should be doing. And I enrolled in Art Center, and I decided since they were so – my father was so upset to pay so much money for me to go to school that I would uh, try and do it all all eight semesters of school uh, right in a row without taking any breaks. And I did that up until my fifth semester. And at my fifth semester, I remember sitting in a class and just can't not being able to focus at all and do any work. And so I had to drop out. So I ended up doing Lon, let, let, let me, let me, let me stop. Lon, let me, let me stop you yeah, there stop. because I want to add some color here because uh, I know okay. your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I have to say that it, it it for you to make that decision and step into what really was your passion at a relatively young age and to risk the disappointment of your father, who was a rather mm-hmm. giant figure in your life, uh, took a lot of, shall we say, chutzpah. And fortunately, you had an ally with your mother. But I want to backtrack right. a little bit on um on that decision and really this what you had to stand up against the dragon you had to sort of uh, look into and basically assert, you know, who you were and what you wanted for yourself that a little bit about your dad and, and who he was not just in your life, but uh, in the business world, in the entertainment sector. Yeah, I think that will put up good perspective on things. Uh, my dad, uh, was aside from being a, a decorated World War II hero, and he always used to bring out his uh, distinguished flying cross so that we could, my sisters and I would know how, how much of a hero he was. Um, and aside from the kicking and shoving and, and hitting that he did on me uh, up until I got to be too big to do that to, he was a powerful Hollywood producer. Uh, and he, is, he was very successful uh, as an independent for many, many years. And he teamed up with another guy in the mid-60s named Gene Klein, who owned the Chargers and, and a bunch of car dealerships. And uh, they formed a company called National General Corporation, which was a giant conglomerate that owned uh, Mission Pack and Grosset and Dunlap and Penguin Books and Great American Insurance Company and on and on and on. Uh, so he, they were very large at the time, and, and my father was, to me, an overpowering uh, person, not, not only physically, but, but uh, in the business world. It, to, to con- it's hard to even conceive of how big he was at that time. And so for me, um, you know, my father's favorite line to me was when I would come up with any kind of defiant language was, what do you know, you know? And I would always like back off because I figure <laughs> well, I must not know anything, you know, because I'm just a kid, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that I loved doing creative things. I, I just it was sports and creativity that that was basically what was driving me. And so um, he he also well at, at the pinnacle probably of his success he he ended up buying the Boston Celtics uh, with a partner. 
and they won the world championship and he couldn't have been higher up at that point. And when that happened, I was in college, which you remember well, because we lived together in college and <laughs> um, it was very difficult to live. I almost had to disengage myself from the fact that I was his son because it, it seemed like I, there was nothing I could do to compete. And I, I just tried to stay um, out of that realm if possible, although I kept getting sucked into it. And, um, you know, hang on, hang on. So, was, so, yeah, yeah. so, well, so in the face of uh, one might say insurmountable odds as in one one's life journey, you're trying to make decisions where you're being true to yourself and your calling versus what super key influences in your life would prefer that you do. You went, stood up against that dragon, and you chose your, your pathway in the arts. And you, as a talented artist, you managed to get admitted to, shall we say, if not something close to the Juilliard School of Music for Arts in Southern California Art Center. Right. And right. you pursued your, your passion, which is illustration. And, uh, okay, so as a sort of a, uh, as a concession to your father, you know, you know, okay, I'm, uh, I won't waste time. It's an expensive school. Uh, I'm going to do it in eight successive uh, semesters. Uh, you managed to get through five back to back. But this was kind of like, you know, not just throwing him a, a bone, but you're just trying to prove that, you know, okay, I'm tough enough. I'm not gay. Yeah, I like the arts. I'm not into business. Uh, I'm not going to be just like you, Dad. I'm going to be me. So you get through five semesters, and then what? Oh, I, I basically uh, burn out. You know, it, th- being at Art Center, at least at that point, it was a small, much smaller school than it is now. And I think there were maybe tops, 250 day students, and then maybe 150 who went to night school. And so you, you had to be pretty good for them to keep you there. And, and we had a review every semester at the end. And if uh, you weren't, they'd kick you out. Uh, which they don't do now um, because they need the money to support, you know, this big facility they've got out there and all this stuff. Uh, but it, but when we were there, it, there was not all that stuff. And, and it was a little more and better and and kind of more along the hippie vein of what, what we were growing up with. So um, so it wasn't the well, Chicago like, School of Art, but it was it was a top art school. It's a top art school. Many of the best illustrators, one of the, the two areas in which Art Center excelled were transportation and product design and illustration. Those are the two strong, and we had as alumni some of the best illustrators who have ever lived. Uh, and and they, they kind of served as inspiration to all of us um, to strive to be uh, great. And, and a lot of those guys who are, who are big illustrators even now, um, were on the walls when I walked in there, uh, still being at UCLA, and I walked in there, and there were guys on the wall who were, you know, famous illustrators. So uh, you look at their work, and you go, my God, uh, this is incredible. This is a level that I couldn't even conceive of. And the fact that I got accepted to the school and started to see my progression and how good I was getting, 
was 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 a fantastic feeling. I still so that was, I was fighting the. That yeah, was energizing, self self reinforcing. Right. You affirmed your okay. So and so you graduated, right? And then what? Yes, I well, graduated. talk about your first, uh, you know, professional wow. experience out there. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, while I was doing that and feeling good about what I was doing, it was rocky on the other side because I still had this feeling in my head where I was in competition with my father. And the, and the way to go to, to direct competition was to be involved in the film business, which is what he was doing. So I tried to find my way from what I was doing into the film business somehow uh, and, and, and how I would fit in. And the first job I actually got uh, was a job at Hanna-Barbera as a background uh, lackey, so to speak, and and a guy who was – I worked from 7 in the morning to 7 at night, and I was basically coloring cells for Superman uh, animation. It was a really limited limited animation, very shitty show, and I I was like at the bottom rung, you know, uh, which is stuff that now – people in the Philippines do for like $2 an hour. But there I was doing this and I did this for a while until I started getting bored because it was so repetitive that I started not, what they would do is they, they, the, the guys who would hand you the cells, they would have a key and it would say, you're to put this color here in this space. And you just kind of had to, it was like coloring book stuff. And I got so bored, I, and I didn't want to follow, I started putting in my own colors and doing what I wanted to do, not realizing that I was screwing up the whole animation process while I was doing that. And they, they found out after a while, because they take these cells and they, they shoot them one at a time, and then they do tests. And when they found out the color was vibrating and doing weird things in the sections I was working on, they fired me. So I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have work. And, mm-hmm. and right. of course, my... My father then came to the rescue somehow. He introduced me to a guy named Ira Teller who had worked for him in National General, and Ira was a, uh, a marketing and advertising guy and a really slick kind of Hollywood marketing guy. And so he, he saw that I had talent, and he, he was working on these really low-level independent movies, and he said, look, can you do uh, movie posters for me? And, uh, uh and I said, well, yeah, of course I couldn't. I had no idea even how to do it. But I, I kind of looked at stuff, and, and he gave me, you know, the movies to look at, you know, and I looked at them in the screening room with him because there was no video at the time. And then we went over ideas, and I went and executed them. And uh, I actually still have a copy of some of them. They were pretty bad, pretty badly illustrated. As a matter of fact, there, there was one point I had three movies I was working on. I came up with ideas. He okayed them, and then he needed them like within a week or something, and there's no way I could do all the work. So I went to a girl who I knew at Art Center who was really good and fast, and I said, well, you do one of these posters for me. And, um, and she agreed. And as it turned out, her stuff was better than mine, so he hired her to do the work and, and let me go. And, and so that was the end of my movie poster career at that point. So what happened to me, though, was I kept fluctuating back and forth because I kept losing faith in what I was doing because I thought 
I went to Art Center. I went to UCLA. I have a great portfolio. I should be people should just be calling me up and giving me jobs. And and I didn't realize uh, that the which I realize now, of course, is you you have to go after it. You can't just sit back and wait because there's so much competition. And so at that point, I because of my background being a spoiled Beverly Hills growing up, where everything was handed to me, I didn't realize I had to go out and get anything. So I just waited and waited, and nothing happened. And when nothing happened, uh, you know, my parents said, well, how are you going to support yourself? What are you going to do? And uh, I'd start taking odd jobs, you know, in order to just make money and started doubting whether I should be an illustrator at all. And during one of those periods of time, I learned about a night school uh, to go to that where I could become an art director. And I figured, hmm, maybe that's more suited to me to be an art director because I like telling people what to do instead of actually doing the work. And so I took these classes and I lucked out because I got one of the best art directors at the time, um, uh, uh, Doyle Dane Burnback, I think it was, a guy named Julian Ryder, who's a very famous art director now, and he was my teacher. And he really liked me, and he really liked the fact that I actually could draw and sketch things out and, and do marker uh, drawings for ads. So he kind of used me to help him, and he helped me build a portfolio, and I ended up... Um, going down that lane and I got a couple of freelance jobs and then my father once again came to me and said hey can you do uh, art directing at the movie studio and I said I, this, I guess this, so. yeah but wait hold on so this then this is yeah. after you're sort of out there proving yourself you were generating quality work gaining attention creating some traction for yourself at that point then he came to you but we got uh, yeah, seven I don't minutes know how much left. attention I was gathering but I was feeling right. well, like well, but, but uh, I was getting here's experience what I, here's what I want to do we got 7 minutes left so I need you oh, to yeah, okay. touch on the high points here about the so from that point uh, I want you to, to get to some studio work you did, and then let's sort of okay. kind of focus on the Illustrator's Journal and the series we're resuming this week in the arts and right. the intention here to feature artists and the quarterly journal that we're producing on Illustrator's Journal. So so hit that. So Got he it. comes to you. He offers he another to me, gateway here. Right. So I went in and I interviewed for a job at Fox uh, Theatrical. Um, and uh, I met with a guy uh, who, who um, his name is Richard Ingber, who was the head of the department at, at the time for uh, feature films, and uh, they gave me the job. And uh, I, mean, I thought they gave me a job because I had a good interview. They actually gave me a job because my father had a deal with Fox at the time to co-finance like 15 movies, so they, they had to deal with me. So they just threw me in a room and said, you're the art director now. I said, oh, great. You know, <laughs> what do I do? He said, well, we'll figure that out. But right now we don't know. So I sat there for a couple months until I started. I just started doing work. I saw what other art directors were doing there, and I started doing the same thing. But since I could draw, I didn't have to hire anybody, so I didn't have to spend any money. I got noticed. I got films handed to me, and I had a couple of very big breaks where the films that I, I came up with ideas for uh, did well, and so I got promoted. And one of the a romancing the stone. Uh, I did romancing the stone, Johnny Dangerously, Buckaroo Banzai, Farlap. God, there were so many of them. And and then I work on because I have been doing so well, 
uh, I got to work on Paul McCartney's movie called Give My Regards to Broad Street. And uh, it was a shitty movie, but I got to meet Paul and Linda and their kids at the time. And he liked me and he liked what I had done. And so uh, because the studio was happy with that and the fact that they made McCartney happy, uh, they promoted me and I became a creative director. And I started working on all sorts of films uh, that were higher brow, uh, Cocoon uh, and, and Jewel of the Nile and the Schwarzenegger movie thrown in there. And there was a bunch of uh, uh, another one, Rhinestone with Stallone and Dolly Parton. So, And I got to meet a lot of these people. And so I was I was there. And, and from there, I went to, to other studios. I was head of creative at Saban Entertainment when the Power Rangers thing launched. Um, I was in charge of five divisions of Saban. I ended up at Warner Brothers uh, as the head of the art department for worldwide marketing for syndicated TV and animation. And so I, I went through all those things. And after, after 20 or so years of that, I started to wear out and I started to, to think this, this just can't be all that I'm about. I was an illustrator and I've taken this road and now I'm burnt out. What do I do? So I decided I wanted to illustrate children's books. I created a portfolio of seven illustrations uh, the best way I knew how to illustrate. And uh, I went to trade shows and just introduced myself to people and thrust myself into their booths and asked to do jobs. And I ended up with a couple jobs after a few trade shows. And I did a couple books, and that led me down the path to doing more books. And I did a series called the Monster Boy series for Abdo Publishing. And um, I did that up until about 2009. And in 2009, I, I had open-heart surgery suddenly, and that changed my life forever. I, I kind of went into a shock for, for a year. I lived up in Big Bear. I kind of refocused myself. I did a lot of online stuff. I, I, I tried to dabble in every single type of creative thing I could think about, which I, I did online single-panel cartoons for over two years, I did uh, illustrations, web design, social media marketing, everything. And then you and I got together, you know, in like 2011. And by that point, uh, I was looking for something that could revitalize the career because after my open heart surgery, I, I just kind of let it go because I didn't like the direction it was taking and I was concerned that I was wasting my time. And basically when I say that, I mean – I was doing stuff that's called mass market, uh, which which is stuff that you would buy in Walmart, you know, or in CVS. And I wanted the highbrow stuff like Eric Carl and and uh, Dr. Seuss and you know all the all the biggies. So that's more trade stuff. And to get that, you have to market yourself towards that. So that was kind of my aim at the time, and still is now to do that. So um, we start doing the journal. I, I, I'm not quite sure how it happened. It started out as a little newsletter, and then it got to be a four-page deal, and then it was the first issue, I think, was 14 pages, and then it kind of grew from there to the last issue that we did, um, I think in 12 or 13, where I had gotten a job to be president of a design firm. I had to drop it because I didn't have the time, but I think we got up to about a 30-, 40-page uh, mm-hmm. edition. And mm-hmm. so for for a year I did that that uh, gig where I was helping out uh, recovering addicts and right. 
and, and so drop the journal. We're, 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 we're 90 seconds out. So, so, yep. so that really rolled into creating um, a web property, the illustrator's journal or it's illustratorsjournal.com. Right. And then we launched right. the, um, the podcast series this week in the arts and we right. interviewed uh, from the healthcare fame, Regina Holiday. We've talked to um, um, Kathy Kohler, Josephine Angelini, Peter Sis, Mark Gazer, right. Steve Light, a whole bunch of people, talented people in the arts. And the whole idea was to put the focus on the artists, have them tell their story like you. What was their passion? What drew them? What is their form of expression, their principal medium, and so on and so forth? And they tell their story. So we're going right. to have to sort of uh, wrap it up there, Ron. We're uh, about 46 okay. seconds out. But uh, I want to uh, thank I you. I blabbed on. <laughs> well, you know, it's all, it's all about, you know, we can't get over our childhood and those key influences uh, that, right. uh, that strike us and the challenges, the dragons we have to face and the choices we have to make and the consequences, uh, some of which are pretty dramatic in those choices. But we're going to feature... Lots of artists on the show. Uh, we're going to focus on some of the activists, particularly uh, a group here that we found called TahoeActivistArtist.com and Shelly Kentner in right. particular. So, Lamp, I want to say thank you, and we're going to say goodbye for now, and we'll see you on the web soon. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.